0: what's going on everybody another episode coming at you with the type one lifting podcast i have a very good friend of mine joe harrell with me we've actually known each other for quite a couple of years uh, we were both trainers at the gym uh i used to work
1: at so what's going on man nothing much buddy glad yeah. to uh be on with you
0: yeah i'm i'm really happy that i finally got you on because we've been kind of like <laughs> <laughs> we're like oh yeah we'll do the podcast oh i can't do it or like you know then it's my turn and yeah, like yeah. i can't do it so i'm glad we got a chance to do it so um you started personal training how how long ago?
1: So I started, you know, doing some sort of personal training in about 2014 when I was in undergrad. I had always been involved, giving advice and stuff like that. You know, the the mm-hmm. gym bro that yeah, gives yeah. advice that's probably unsolicited at times. But uh, I was a manager at a gym when I was 18, and so that kind of just being, you know, at the front desk, being in decent shape, people would ask you questions. So always been given advice for a while but 2014 I started to do some online stuff um, in undergrad we had uh, different programs where we needed to to actually train clients to get a grade that kind of stuff uh-huh. and so that led into me doing it almost freelancing you know uh, don't don't tell the IRS but you know I never really <laughs> it was all kind of uh, just me and then uh, 2016 the online stuff got a little more serious uh, I was working with close friends and athletes and stuff like that, um, trying to to crank it up a little bit. And uh, I was, man, I was dirt cheap. Boy, I was cheap. We're talking ten dollars a workout cheap. Mm-hmm. So, because it was, you know, I was in college and I felt like I don't know, I didn't. You didn't think
0: you didn't think you were right. You were there at the time. Right, so well, it's,
1: it's one of those. I was using my clients as much as they were using me. And what mm-hmm. I mean is, you know, I was learning from them what worked for them, what didn't work for them. I, it was, you know teaching myself how to be a better coach, better trainer and stuff. So, uh, you know, I didn't want to overcharge a service when there were extra variables and I was really more interested in the volume rather than the money aspect. So, yeah. the more people I could get to work with, the more I could learn, right? So, yeah. the more I could do. So, I was cool with, you know, being cheap. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, then uh towards the middle of grad school, I uh, moved up here to coming right and started working at the gym with you guys. Uh, kind of rewind a little bit end of 2016 I graduated from undergrad uh with my extra science degree and 2 days later I started my internship with the Falcons. Mm-hmm. So I went in and started working with them and we were doing uh athletic training stuff which is a little bit outside of scope but uh you have to get in the door so yeah. I'm uh staying up late at night watching videos on how to <laughs> tape ankles and yeah. shit, you know, and so it was pretty wild but um started doing that and then uh I'll never forget the the head strength coach came in the weight room one day and he stopped and he looked at me and he said man you look like a meathead and that I knew that was my end so I started every time I saw him you know I'd hint drop hey when can I get in the weight room and work with you guys you know so about a quarter of the way through the internship they started letting me split duties between the AT room and and the um, strength room you know and uh i Started doing a decent job there and was still doing a good job in the AT aspect, so they would start to give me even more time as long as I was getting my duties done, you know, and stuff like that. And then uh, about halfway through, uh, they just moved me full weight room. So I was in the weight room, you know, cleaning. We, were, we did inventory on equipment. We did inventory on, like, Gatorade, which I don't know. Man, they, they have enough they Gatorade it. to make us all diabetics, yeah. I'm telling you. So... Uh, you got a full warehouse almost on site, and uh, we would inventory that and make sure all the fridges were stocked. And then uh, athletes normally list, lifted on two different sessions in the in the AM, so we'd make sure everything was ready for that and kind of help coach them through if the coaches needed me to do anything. It was normally pretty minimal mm-hmm. in that aspect. Uh, at the professional level, it's a lot different than the college level in that at the college level you're going to have so many more athletes than coaches that – You know, they're they're bringing in GAs and janitors to, you know, (laughs) help and stuff. But uh, at the pro level, there's a lot more hands on deck. So the hands-on type stuff, they were pretty much covered with. But um, I had kind of a deal with the head strength coach that if I did a good job for the day, got everything done early, he'd give me 30 minutes. And he'd pull out the whiteboard and walk me through stuff and, you know, his training velocities and try to teach me, you know. He – I don't want to name drop, so I'm not going to, you know, but – he uh was a big West Side guy. He had worked with Louie mm-hmm. some and uh so we were all, you know, you know, velocity training and stuff like that, talking about dynamic efforts, max efforts, you know. And so uh it was all cool stuff. And then uh started grad school that fall and uh with the hopes that I'd be returning with them. I kinda had some, you know, handshaking going on that I'd be back, but uh some staff changes took place and never really made it back. So about halfway through grad school, I said, all right, well, I need to, I got to make money somehow, right? And I had, most of my friends live up here, and I was in Milledgeville at the time, which uh, for those of you not too familiar, it's about two, two and a half hours from coming where me and Tom are now. And so I moved up here the last semester of grad school, right during the the Christmas break, stuff like that, Mm -hmm. and uh, started training full time at the One Life, and then on Tuesdays, I'd leave at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, drive through Atlanta, I'll repeat, through Atlanta, it's a nightmare, so drive through Atlanta about, it would make it a three, three and a half hour trip, you know, try to get down to class at 6, we'd stay in class from 6 to 9 p.m., And then I'd get off and drive back up, get home by midnight, get up the next morning to train clients at (laughs) 5. Yeah, that's that's insane. And uh, I did that Tuesdays and Thursdays and uh, finished up that last semester, you know. And uh, it was real character building, you know. I didn't know what to do with myself when grad school ended Mm because now I didn't have to drive six hours one One way. way. Both both ways, both ways on a day, 12 hours a week. Uh, so my training definitely bumped up in <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> my personal time.
0: So when you were training with the Falcons, did you like watch these guys left and be like, oh
1: my God, these guys are just savages. Just yeah, left and- it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit different. So for for anybody on here that's pretty serious, I, I you know, I'm sure some of your listeners have pretty good numbers. You have pretty good numbers, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I, I'm mediocre at best most days. So uh Getting in there at the time, I wasn't at the level that I am now in my own personal training. So it was pretty, um, I don't know, pretty cool, right? I mean, yeah. they, they were moving some good numbers. Uh, but flip side, you know, what I know about powerlifting, who I know, you can't compare it to a, an elite powerlifter. No. And you can't compare it to an elite Olympic lifter. Um, but you also can't compare how hard an elite powerlifter can hit somebody in the backfield compared to an elite NFL mm-hmm. linebacker. Yeah. But for athletes that that lift 45 minutes 4 days a week, man they're strong. Yeah. You know what I mean? If yeah. you kind of put it in that perspective. We train an hour, hour and a half, 2 hours maybe depending on where you're at and your your you know where you're at in your year and your goals and stuff. So um comparatively it's it's apples to oranges, but when put in perspective, man those dudes could move some weight, and uh, I—I don't—I don't know. I guess I can say this, but Deion Jones—I don't know if anybody knows his name. He's uh, one of the middle linebackers for the Atlanta Falcons. God, he's—he's he's impressive. At the time, he was dealing with some shoulder stuff, and so they had him on a safety bar yeah he was squatting with a safety bar and I remember thinking to myself I've never seen anybody do that much weight for that amount of reps he was squatting like 455 for 10. Dang. Um and that was you know his leg day so it was it's pretty wild but um they focused a lot more on that dynamic effort and stuff Mm -hmm. like that everything they had Tendo units and stuff so everything was velocity based um I think his name's Brian Mann out of uh Missouri. He was the head strength coach for Missouri for a while. He uh, came up with the, the phrase velocity-based training and put a lot out, a lot of good articles and information through the um, the NSCA, their Strength and Conditioning Journal, uh, on velocity-based training. And it's kind of the idea, you know, you have so many ways that you can select your intensity. You can go by a percentage of your max, right? You can go by a percentage of a rep max. You can go by speed, which is going to be that velocity-based. If you have a Tendo unit, or uh, is it called a bar ninja or bar sensei? I've I've heard of yeah, it. I, I I don't I I forgot what it looks like. Yeah. It's like a, it looks. Is it like like that little piece? Is it like a little piece that goes on the end of the barbell? That's that's one. Um, that I think that one tracks more bar path, but it does velocity too. The one that we always talked about in school was, uh, I think it was called a bar sensei, and it looks like your Apple Watch you just take it and you, you kind of strap it to the bar and it, it sends real time info to your phone and you can track your workouts and stuff like that oh that's real cool I'm not sponsored by bon- Bar Say, but uh, if y'all <laughs> want to name drop me that, that'd be fine <laughs> but um, no you know cool gadgets like yeah. that so different ways different modalities and then you have RPE right that's big now huge mm-hmm. five years ago nobody cared what your rate of perceived exertion was unless you were a, a, a cardio recovering patient. Somebody just had open heart surgery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now everybody's training. A, oh yeah, I've trained about an eight and it looks like a 12, you know. it's. <laughs> but um, that being said, that was kind of what we used there. And so they were always focused on how many meters per second the guys were moving weight and stuff. It was never, there was never like a max day. Mm-hmm. You know, no, never saw a max day or anything like that. Well, that was during in season, right, so well, it was gearing up it was um really, it was like may, I started May seventh no okay. no, no, I graduated may seventh I started may ninth and it was may ninth through up in through spring training like in August and stuff like that, yeah, um, and so that's that's technically kind of their off season, but um. The true true off seasons a few more months before that mm-hmm. so they're they're really just trying to get back into good shape because they're also like it would be separated as nine a m bigs lifted ten a m littles lifted excuse me eleven a m would be like lunch and stuff and then twelve they're out there you know practicing for two or three hours and then they'd come in for a final lunch and be out for the day mm-hmm. Our day as the a t staff and strength staff normally started around. Uh, Like 6 a.m. 6, or something yeah, like that? Yeah, it was like 6. I lived in Dahlonega at the time. So again, for those that aren't familiar, Dahlonega, Dahlonega was about an hour away from Flowery Branch where the training facility was. So I'd get up at 4, 4.30, make sure that I got down there in time. Uh, once the strength coaches started letting me train with them, Oh, man, I was leaving leaving the house at 3.34. Because <laughs> they trained before everybody else even got to the facility. So yeah. there's, they they would start training at 4.35. So I'd get up and get down there with them. And I'm an afternoon, evening guy for sure. Like, if you catch me in the gym before 12, well, six months ago, if you had caught me in the gym before 12, you'd, I'd look like a zombie. Now I'm getting used to it. I've been mixing my training up a lot with work schedules and different stuff. And uh, it's actually kind of good. It builds a different kind of mm-hmm. – builds a different response. You got to be able to get into the mindset a lot quicker, stuff like that, you know, but, Mm -hmm. um, no, man, it was killing me (laughs) because I wasn't used to it. But, uh, the, enough of the adrenaline being able to work out in that environment, you know, kind of push you through it. But yeah, I'd get down there and then by 6am we're prepping the AT room. We're getting coolers filled and stuff for the day. Um, making sure inventory is good, getting everything packed out. And then, uh, you know, 6.30, six thirty, a.m., the players would start rolling in for uh, pre prehab stuff like that. So if you had a guy that had any sort of nagging thing, he'd roll up and start getting some work done on him or, or start going through some exercises and stuff. And then um, we actually, I want to say that we taped at that time. So, no, 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 no. It depended. If it was a guy that wanted tape for his workout, we tape them there during that
0: time. But my thing is with that is, why would you want to tape somebody? You're kind of hindering the movement. Exactly. I mean, that's just my opinion. There's
1: a lot to it. I'm not a. There's, yeah. But um, it was it's it's weird, you know. And there's so much advanced things that take place that you're like, wow, that's really cool. Like Mm -hmm. you know, this is this is cutting edge. We had we had tens units and and different ultrasound models and uh, you know like the game readies and and um, what's the one where you, you put them on your leg and you lay back in a recliner I know that's pretty big now so we never had that personal in co- yeah
0: we never had that in college we just had like the ultrasound machine the tens machine right, and right. like just heat and I think
1: that was pretty much it yeah, but really. we had models that weren't on the market Tag. Like yeah. it was stuff that, that wasn't even on the market yet and then there was uh, one that we had it was a laser like an infrared rate laser I've seen those yeah and There were a few spots on the tables that looked burnt. And one time I was asking one of the other, you know, interns, I was like, dude, what's this from, you know? And he's like, that's where somebody accidentally held the laser too long. Yeah. So I I don't want to get anyone in trouble. So I won't say what I did in the AT room, but let's just get the vibe out there. I was way in over my head. (laughs) So um, it's really one of those, you go home, learn as much as you can at night, try to prep for the next day. Um, And because, you know, you mess something up you mess somebody's career up potentially yeah. you know depending it wasn't always those high stakes but no we'd get the dudes in type, tape certain things you know that well, they were big in rock tape and stuff so you know they'd throw some stuff like that on um and then again they they'd all hit breakfast be ready to start lifting i want to say it was actually 8 a.m.s bigs 9 a.m. little's so we're talking the bigs would be the offensive line and defensive line and bigger mm-hmm. players because um, their workouts would sometimes look a little bit different uh, you know position dictates and so then at 9am the Littles would come in and they would lift uh, they normally had more plyo stuff involved right? Yeah. so they'd be doing box jumps and stuff like that and then 10am um, everybody's getting that pre-tape for practice and then folks would get out there and they would start practicing around 11 and I think we they would do normally two hour practices we'd be done and out by one and so everybody grabbed food which was fantastic man it's the best the highest quality buffet almost that you get your hands on they had chefs there and stuff so that was always fun i loved it and they would uh the chefs would always take care of us right us athlete like the The interns, Mm -hmm. they'd pull us over to the side after everything was done. I was like, hey, we have some leftover in the back. Here you go. We're not going to feed it to anybody, so y'all can take it. So you normally get two meals out of it, you know, and it was good because you get, like, salmon or shrimp and some sort of beef. Yeah, I loved it. That was awesome. Yeah, it was good stuff. But then um, we'd stay around maybe another couple of hours, again, checking on inventory. We inventoried maybe two, three times a day. And uh, get things squared away, clean up the field, prep for the next day, and then you know you're out. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Hey, I mean, I would lo- I would have loved to do that. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So <laughs> it was a good time. Yeah,
0: I mean, the craziest lift I've seen was probably Saquon Barkley. He's a running back for the Giants. He uh-huh. he cleans. He, he squat cleaned 405, no belt, Nike sneakers, and that was it was, yeah, amazing. I was like, oh my gosh, like this. That was insane. I mean, he's got
1: like legs like both my legs put together is that's that's one of his legs. Just, yeah, it's huge. They had this cat. Um, this he was a linebacker in college, but I think they were trying to move him to fullback. And I, I don't I don't think he ever made the team. But he was from like South Dakota or North Dakota, so like he was smaller school. You know, mm-hmm. he was built like a tank though. Probably weighed like two twenty. And I mean, God, when I say built like a tank, he was yoked traps that like didn't let his ears you know he couldn't hear you his traps were so big (laughs) and um i watched him they were doing like a three rep hand clean and he was using 405 oh yeah it was pretty ridiculous he was one of those dudes that you know it outworked everybody um man and it was always it was always funny because there was I, i mean this probably in the best way it can be applied there was a lot of egos in the room right yeah and so it it Kind of created a, a, a conducive environment for individuals working really hard. And like nobody sandbagged. Mm-hmm. There was no half-assing. You know, like if if somebody did more weight than you, even if you weren't hitting the right velocities, dudes would like because you'd hear them say, "Yeah, man, you're a little slow on that set. You got to speed that one up." He's like, "Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine." Like because the the alternative is take off weight yeah, and yeah, then yeah. they're squatting more than you or whatever. Yeah. You know, and they they weren't about it. So
0: <laughs> it was really cool. <laughs> That's awesome. So now after after when that whole series ended, you started at one life. So mm-hmm. you kinda you kinda did you add like some of your workouts from like the Falcons over to I mean granted you gr you your your you know clients are a little bit older and like you know yeah, don't really yeah. move that well compared <laughs> to those dudes, but did you kinda implement the same things?
1: Yeah, there was there was some crossover for sure. Um I but it was it was smaller stuff. Yeah. Because I've always, the, the big things that we all think, there's nothing that's super groundbreaking. Um, those guys, they, they do the same lifts we do. They do the same exercises we do. Um, the intensity's the same that we do, you know. Uh, the main difference is we're talking about taking a Ferrari out to the track, whereas mm-hmm. I, I'm a Ford Focus, you know. so <laughs> um, But, no, things like it was little stuff, it was like band pull aparts. Uh, banded TKEs or, or terminal knee extensions yep. you know um, the, the pre-lift stuff I started to implement more and more with my clients because um, you know I, I just feel like the more ready you are to lift the better you lift when you're there yeah. right? you know um, but and then it was uh, sort of a different mindset with things mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know if, how much you know about post activation potentiation. That was kind of a big thing. Now that's just fancy for saying priming you for a lift. Yeah. So it would be something like, um, if I put you in a squat rack right, right now, or, or tell you what, we'll do like two controls. If we had a box, uh, say a thirty-five inch box, that's pretty short, right? Or easy for most people to jump. I don't yeah. know. I'm not a good jumper, so I couldn't <laughs> tell you. But uh, no, we we have a thirty. 32 inch box something like that right and we're not necessarily worried about how tall the box is because you're going to out jump the box anyways Mm -hmm. and that's a whole different soap box i can get on but um you want to out jump the box and have a soft landing to the box you don't want your uh, ankles to be by your ears when you're jumping onto a box yeah but if we let you jump to that box and and we set up some sort of measurement whether it was using a camera and then you know whatever or if you were doing like a vert jump just trying to hit the clicks like at the combine right mm-hmm. we did that and took that as your base and then we put you in a squat rack and took 95% of your one rep max and made you hit it for one rep and then told you to do the jump again there's a really good chance you would jump higher the second time and it's 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 i believe it's you know it involves central nervous system right everything's heightened you were under a heavy load mm-hmm. now you're under a free load like you no load at all you know stuff like that and so they they did a little bit of that here and there. Um I really uh you know, having more of a powerlifting background, I uh dusted off my feelings on the hex bar the trap bar. I used to oh if it's not a if it's not a straight bar deadlift, it's not a deadlift, you know. But yeah. um really for your athletes, if if they're not gonna compete in powerlifting or they're never really gonna be you know, Olympic weightlifters, of course, there's a lot of crossover from a conventional deadlift with a straight bar. Mm-hmm. To, but if it's an athlete and they're just going to run, jump, and play sports, hex bar is probably the best thing for them. Yeah, you know, they're mm-hmm. a lot less likely to get injured. Uh, the leverages are more conducive. You still get a lot lower back, mm-hmm. you know. So stuff like that. Yeah, uh, it was. It it helped carry over.
0: Yeah, plus plus your chest is higher up too, so right. you can actually yeah. get get in a better position. So exactly. I used to have my clients use that like all the time. Right. Like I probably, I'd probably have them use that more than just the straight bar for deadlifting because I knew for a fact because they
1: some of them would put their butt up first compared to exactly. you know lifting up their shoulders first. So I have yet to have. Just your your general pop your gin pop client. I have yet to have one deadlift from on the floor. Mm-hmm. RDLs. I'm big on RDLs, uh, mainly, and it, it kind of started in my own personal training. You know, when I deadlift, the first rep is garbage, and the next two, three, four reps look great. Mm-hmm. Or if I do a rack pull, first rep is garbage, and it's part of you're starting from a concentric rather than an eccentric, right? Mm-hmm. So. When you're squatting out of the rack, your first movement is an eccentric movement into the hole. Then you concentrically stand back up, right? Yeah. Well, with a deadlift, it's all you generating the first push of force. Nothing is forcing you into a hole. Nothing's forcing you to fight back against it. You have to generate all that. And that's one reason why the deadlift is so hard on the central nervous system. But all of that being said, if you're not really good at locking everything in, the eccentric portion is going to lock you in. Mm-hmm. So if you stand up and you lock out and then you lower the bar, your next rep should look tighter. And, uh, so I had hurt my back one time doing rack pulls for the same thing. And I just now, that was years ago. And I just now, like this week, two weeks ago, probably started doing rack pulls again mm-hmm. for more of a bodybuilding thing. But yeah. you know, anyways, um, and I was talking to a guy yesterday. It's funny that we're here. I, um, told him that I was going to start, walking the bar out of the um the rack to lower it to the pins
0: gotcha yeah so
1: that i'm I'm starting from a straight position so that i can eccentrically lower to the pins then start my rack pull set so i'm locked in <clears> to maybe <throat> help my back a little bit but um no yeah hex bar man oh for gin pop for sure because they're gonna be scared to deadlift anyways. If you ever put them in front of a straight bar, that first rep's gonna scare them because yeah. they feel their lower back. Whether it's good or bad, whether they're hurting themselves or not, most people don't feel their lower back, especially under good loads, you know, and so when they start to feel it activated, it makes them a little bit nervous. Yeah, when I
0: when I was training people with the straight bar deadlift, what I would do is I would get those like plyo boxes, like the really small ones, like that's like almost the same height as where where if you put like bumper plates on it it'd be like the yeah, same yeah. same area. Of inches three yeah, yeah inches tops. so so I'd have them like get used the bar and just like go off of that and just like obviously it's forty five pounds and like most of my clients could do that, so I'd pretty much just have them lift off the ground go down and then like add the tens and then just have them pretty much get used to it and right I mean I've had I had a one client she was in her fifties she was like deadlifting one thirty five with a straight bar and she was like i want I want to deadlift let's go let's yeah. go and I'm like okay and so yeah it was she loved doing like the power lifts and stuff except for except for back squatting because she couldn't do it because she had like a frozen shoulder issue yeah and she finally was that... clearing and she didn't have the mobility for it but i mean everything else we yeah did.
1: and that's i'm a fan of that 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 definitely um block pulls because what it allows them to do is get in a good position yeah if i even if you watch me deadlift you watch most people deadlift you have to get into some sort of a posterior pelvic tilt you get a little bit of a lumbar round. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not a lot, you have to round to get into position. The problem is when they round to get into position, they can't recorrect. Yeah. So if you're starting them from a corrected position off of a block pull, it's going to feel way better. Yeah. You know? um,
0: I always tell them like for cues, like I've t- I've told this before on the podcast, but I usually do the like, King Kong, stick your chest out. Yep, yep. Miley Cyrus just stick your butt back and then like tabletops. So it's like pretty much just had that flat back yeah, negative yeah. table and like the use those threes and like those three and it, it
1: works. That's solid. Yeah. I um <laughs> I actually learned how to deadlift. Uh I, I laugh like it's not common. It's probably pretty common from Mark Ripito.
0: His you know, you starting know strength. Yeah, I've never I've never read his books or anything yeah. like that. Like I've just <laughs> like all my lifts that I've learned was either from like men's health or all the Olympic stuff is like
1: YouTube Yeah. Like yeah. that's it. When I started working out, it's, it was um, very similar. I mean, so I'm a younger guy. I'm 26, so I, the audience can kind of get a grasp on that. But I started working out in like 05 when I was in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. And um, I wrestled at the time, and I you know, wanted to be bigger, stronger, faster, right? So uh started working out, and I wasn't naturally athletic. I wasn't a very athletic kid. Uh, I wouldn't even say I'm athletic now, but I was naturally stronger than most Mm -hmm. grew up on a farm you know we did farm stuff cows chickens fence you know whatever right and so um being around a father that was much larger than me by the way i'm five six my dad's six three so he's been bigger than me my whole life it was you know he'd carry five of whatever it was and i'd try to keep up carry three that kind of thing you know so always trying to make him proud or whatever and um i started lifting weights and i remember Uh, begging for Christmas one year please get me a weight set please so they went and got me one of those you know what is it like an inch round bar with the concrete weights that if you drop them they crack that Mm -hmm. kind of thing and uh, I started bench pressing 40 pounds and it was like I'd go out there every day and do one set because I didn't know what I was doing my dad didn't work out and there was back then there wasn't YouTube and everything and so uh, I'd go out there and do like a set of 20 every day (laughs) And try to add a rep every day. Yep, that's awesome. And so that was fifth grade. And then um, by seventh grade, I was benching 205. Wow. And I weighed um, probably around 140, I think, 135, 140. And uh, yeah, man, I was proud of that because I had the biggest bench at the school. It was the best. I mean, I would have the same thing too. But um, I didn't have a squat rack. So it was literally I'd do this bastardized clean to get the bar to my back. And I would you know, do squats with 135, like sets of 30 and 40, uh, cause they didn't let us work out at school in middle school. We didn't, we couldn't go to the weight room until we were in high school. Mm-hmm. And so I was still focused on getting stronger, getting better, but I, I knew I had to, had to squat, but I didn't have a rack. So, uh, yeah, that was kind of my squat day was, was clean and do an overhead press to my neck to mm-hmm. <laughs> squat and, uh, you know, lunges, running, stuff like that. I had, um, watched some videos of Herschel Walker doing like, savage yeah tire workouts right so i went and took this old backpack one of those ll beans or whatever and uh strapped a tire to it and would run in the backyard uh took like old dog run cable and drilled holes in the tire and ran it through and i um i had the metal dumbbells so i'd throw them in the corners of the tire and yep. run with it and That's stuff. awesome. But um yeah started started working out then and uh as i was getting into middle schools progressing in sports and everything I started having injuries but um, they were more genetic than a product of the environment sort of thing you mm-hmm. know um, I have I had three elbow surgeries on osteochondritis desiccans in my elbows now what's so, what's
0: that for the people that don't know what it yeah, is? yeah
1: right right so basically um, what happens is there's a spectrum and it's uh, a vascular necrosis to osteochondritis desiccans or at least this is my understanding so if we have any MDs on here Please. This is. Remember. This is. <laughs> this is. I learned this in a recliner somewhere. Um, you have the spectrum of avascular necrosis to osteochondritis desiccans. and essentially, avascular means without vessel, and necrosis is death. And so, my elbows didn't have a good blood supply, mm-hmm. and so the blood supply would decrease, and then eventually, kind of stop, and the cartilage in the area would start to die, and then that's a vascular necrosis for it to become osteochondritis desiccans. There has to be floating bodies in the joint, which just means either the cartilage broke off, some bone broke off, something's in there and it can actually cause a lock or a click in the joint. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's, you know, mechanically something is in the joint keeping it from moving. And so I'd gotten to where my elbows would lock and I couldn't straighten them out and stuff. I mean, if you look now, I still can't straighten them out that way. It kind of formed bony blocks over time. But, uh, yeah, had my first elbow surgery in 8th uh, grade. No, 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 7th grade, and the next one in 8th grade, and the next one in ninth grade. Yeah, back-to-back-to-back, to back to back. so that derailed my wrestling career, Yeah, which was pretty... I would say so. It was pretty upsetting, because I, I, was, I was solid back then. Like, I had already had scholarship offers and stuff um, in middle school to some of the best ones, some of the best schools. And uh, so I thought I was going to be wrestling... Um, and then we put all my cards on football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All the coaches love me. Cause it was, my dad was big and you know, you're strong, so you'll be big one day. So I started playing football and stuff. And then, uh, 2009 in between the elbow surgeries, I had a hyperextension in my right knee. Somebody like rolled up and mm-hmm. hit my knee and, uh, partially tore my PCL, Oof. partially tore a meniscus and sprained the MCL and stuff. Anyways, though, um, And that probably led to, we're going to take a big timeline jump here, uh, having all the knee surgeries I've had in the past few years. Yeah. So I've had two knee surgeries on my right knee for the avascular necrosis, osteochondritis stuff, and one on my left knee. So while, yes, I'm big into heavy powerlifting, and yes, I started lifting at an early age, um, I just picked the wrong hobbies. Mm -hmm. I don't have joints that can support it. It's not that stuff won't do it to you. You know, so for everyone listening, heavy and great technique and frequent resistance training is the way to go. It's just uh I'm uh not durable.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so as you as you're a tra- like a personal trainer, what have you noticed like in the gen pop that is that needs like to be fixed?
1: Yeah, um I think most of them revolve around misconceptions, myths, stuff like that. More in what they 're learning than what they're doing mm-hmm. uh, it's it, it, when you get on the specific client it 's always about you know what 's their personality what 's their character because I know you 've had clients that would literally break their neck for an extra rep mm-hmm. and then you 've had clients you couldn 't pay them a hundred dollars and give them ten free sessions to do you know one excruciating workout yeah so um if you kind of remove that from the list that i'd like to put together um you know, it's stuff like uh, is protein good for you? And, you know, how much protein should you eat? Um, how much exercise is too much? Uh, oh, am I worried about overtraining? Um, I'm kind of trying to put a list together and then we can revisit them. But um, stuff like cardio versus weight training, what's the best diet to do? What's the best workout style? Stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, getting into, oh, and last but not least, supplements to cut corners, <laughs> you know. Um, but the main thing I did, I wrote my master's thesis on, um, protein intake and, uh, it's, it's pretty conclusive that you almost want to eat as much protein as you can get your hands on mm-hmm. and it be animal protein from good lean sources, um, or trusted, you know, protein powder sources. Um, yeah, I mean, cause everything that I've ever read says the more protein you eat, the leaner you get, and the stronger you get, and the more muscle mass you gain. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, there's a guy. I, I'm not going to quote too much because I don't want to give any misinformation. I talked about Tom, talked to Tom about this before, but his name's Jose Antonio, Doctor Jose Antonio. Look up his research on protein intake. It's wild stuff. Like he's got one study where he had an obese population at like a forty percent calorie deficit. Mm-hmm. But they were still... And then on top of that, he added in for them like 400 uh, calories worth of protein. Straight protein. So we're talking that's uh, 100 grams of protein. Mm -hmm. That's most people's daily intake. Yeah. But 100 grams of protein is what? Anywhere from two to four chicken breasts, depending on the size. Yeah. That's a lot of food. And that would make me not hungry because right Mm -hmm. now I'm not eating two to four chicken breasts a day. You know? Yeah. Normally I'm eating a lot of steak, but... You know, that being said, if you, you have a client that you are dieting and they're going to they're gonna be hungry, right? Anybody on a diet typically hungry if you put them in a calorie restriction or, mm-hmm. you know, a caloric deficit. And so these individuals are at a caloric deficit uh, baseline, and then he adds to that baseline 400 calories worth of protein. The individuals all still saw fat loss, and they all started gaining lean mass. Just from upping their protein intake, and I do want to say it was an obese population that was the con uh, the you know the group that they were working with um, but you know and he did like two or three more follow up studies where he bumped the calories even higher there was at one point I want to say it was a thousand calories additional in protein and so anybody worried about your kidneys or uh, bone mineral density I did the research on that and um there is renal impairment, excuse me, acute renal impairment evolved or, um, in, involved with an increased protein intake. If you eat a bunch of protein for the first week, first two weeks, whatever, your kidneys are going to let out a little more, a few more enzymes, filtration mm-hmm. will be inhibited a little bit, but your body will auto-correct and you'll be fine. It's completely acute. Nothing that should be on anyone's radar. If mm-hmm. you have healthy kidneys, you can add 100 grams of protein to your diet right now and you'll be fine. Now, if you have kidney issues to begin with, you might want to consult your physician. Yeah. Um, And then one thing that was always a concern was bone mineral density in female athletes and protein intake. Uh, Supposedly, there was information that suggested that protein intake, a a high protein intake caused women's mineral density of their bones to decrease, causing more bone breaks and stuff like that. And um, all the research I read said quite the opposite, that it actually improves bone health. Yeah. So, you know, if you if you're already pretty healthy, you can bump it up, and I'm sure you'll enjoy the results.
0: Yeah, and plus with weight training, obviously, you know that helps with your bone density too. Exactly. So there shouldn't be an issue with that. Whatsoever. And you're only
1: going to get stronger, so it's only going to help the bones even more. It's creating a need with with weight training. You use your um, uh, the sodium potassium pumps more, and calcium is used in the body and stuff. So if you weight train too hard without enough protein in your diet and enough calcium in your diet you're actually going to leach calcium from your bones mm-hmm. so even more so you need calcium and you need protein to help with that but um yeah a lot of cool stuff there uh, I'll i'll kind of leave you guys on a cliffhanger for that to do a little <laughs> bit more of your your own research but protein is king that was the name of my paper mm-hmm. it's it's king um so be sure to look on in and on that stuff. Uh, concept misconceptions around you know cardio and, and weight training and stuff. I it's more of my mindset is uh, my own personal opinions based off accumulation of knowledge over time. Like I, I'm not one of those that I can readily quote papers, but I kind of check things off in my head if mm-hmm. you will. Like yeah. it's it's locked down as this is truth. You know what I mean? That sort of stuff. And then over time, that forms an opinion, but. At the end of the day, if you're just going to do straight steady state cardio versus weight training, it just cannot and will not give you the same results. Nope. Because weight training training has so many other variables that it affects other than cardiovascular health. So if you're lifting weights, you're stressing muscle, you're stressing bone like you said. Um, those stressors will result in uh, changes, adaptations to the stressors. You're going to burn as much, if not more calories than that steady state cardio. So if you Mm -hmm. take an hour of weight training and an hour of walking at three and a half miles an hour on a treadmill, you'll probably burn the same amount of calories. If you train pretty intensely, probably more. Yeah. And so you might even burn more calories, which is going to open room for fat metabolism. You don't burn fat while you do cardio, unless you're an ultra marathon runner. Um, So... You know, it opens more room for more calories over time. And then uh, you do actually get some cardiovascular benefits from weight training. Mm-hmm. Do a set of 10, and it, are you breathing heavy? Yeah, or even sets of 20. Yeah. Like, th- I, I'm actually yeah.
0: training one kid. He's on a two times a week 20 rep max back squat cycle. Oh, that'll kill you. And, yeah, and that's <laughs> it. And, and like, I, and what he's doing, he's doing, I think it's like, he's doing 60% of his one rep max. And then each week for six weeks, he's actually adding five more pounds. It's insane. Each week, and so he's definitely feeling it. And I always, I always tell people like you can do those hit classes all you want, but you're not your your body's going to get so used to all those hit classes. You won't, you're not lifting heavy weight, so it's not going to help you whatsoever. You, and I always tell like even females they're like, oh, I don't want to get bulky, and I'm like, do you know how hard how it hard is, is for you guys to get bulky? And like, I'm like, just lift heavy weight, you'll start losing weight, and you'll start getting to where you want to go. It's just yeah stop
1: <clears throat> and the same people that'll say that will point to some woman on a fitness magazine and say that she's attractive it's like how you know that's what has to be done but, yeah no um, it, it's really getting back to sort of the hit thing for a second it's really a minimal effective dose you have to monitor your intensity and your frequency of certain intensities because at the end of the day we all love training that's mm-hmm. why we do it we love working out we love training so that makes it tough but if you do something too often, too hard, too well, the body adapts, then what happens? It impedes progress. We we're in a state of tricking our bodies to improve. There are things you do want to adapt to. So I mean if, if your number one goal is, is performance, right? Mm-hmm. Then you, you want to adapt to things over and over and over. But if you're someone trying to add on muscle mass, you don't want your body to adapt. The moment that your body adapts to whatever it is that you're doing, you're most likely going sort to sort of see less improvements over time because, you know, it's a minimal effective dose approach. It's like taking an antibiotic or taking anything. If yep. your body builds up a, a a response to it, you have to take more. It's like caffeine. Yeah. You can't squat more than, you know, 1,000 well, pounds, really, if you've got a squat suit, whatever. But, I mean, right now, the world record's 1,000 pounds. So... we know that none of us here will probably be there so that being said what's your ceiling where do you know you get to a 600 pound back squat what will it take to get to seven do you have the time for it do you have the the means for it um you know what if you had just kept your squat max closer to 500 and figured out other variables to train your legs would have probably still grown just as much, if not more. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm not saying to push it because, listen, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a meathead powerlifter, like grunt weight. Yeah. You know, like I want I more mean, weight. But, I mean, with me two weeks in,
0: I'll be 41. Yeah. I want to
1: push, it, push right, it to the max. Right. So, But you kind of get what I'm saying. And yeah. That's what makes it so cool is, yeah, there's a ton of science behind it, but the art comes in. You know, you got to juggle variables and figure out how to change intensity, pause reps, tempos, rest mm. periods. Um, you know, all sorts of stuff. Like lifting complexes, like Olympic yeah. weightlifting complexes. Yeah, because I. Training styles, cluster training yeah. versus, you know, just pyramid loading, different stuff. Yeah,
0: because I remember back when CrossFit was like starting to get big and like people were just like full throttle every yeah. single day and just like blow up. And then like they start to realize wait a second, this is not really the best idea, so why don't we do like tempo work or like every minute on the minute and you have like a break in between yeah, yeah. and then like.
1: I used to get nauseous watching Rich Frawning videos. I yeah. wasn't even doing it. Just watching them make me sick. <laughs> you know, stuff like that.
0: <laughs> well, that's what people like when I do, when I work out in the gym, they're like, are you trying to like earn a contract someplace? Or like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm just trying to get fit. <laughs> So yes, no, <laughs> maybe, 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 maybe. maybe. <laughs> Anyone out there offering contracts? Yes, yes, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm taking supplement offers. Also, right, right. But uh, yeah, so with um, with your your clients, did you kind of like try to get them kind of into powerlifting a little bit? Like not like yeah, not like full blown. You know, just like just say like you know, get them on like the bar and do back squats or just like <laughs> you know, or like bench more or something like
1: that. Uh, yeah. So. For me, it was um, the way that I transferred that to my clients was powerlifting is not good to most people Mm -hmm. over time. Most people fall in love with the sport and uh, it's like an abusive partner in a relationship. You love them to death, but they beat you up every time you walk in the house, you know. And so I've had that experience probably more than most with, you know, six joint surgeries to my name. And so, um, definitely has helped me train more intelligently. So, I know how to kind of display that to a client or an mm-hmm. individual. So, I have friends or clients that do powerlift that I do coach. But if I had a gym pop client at the gym, I take the mindset of powerlifting, pushing for a one rep max to everything else. Hey, we're doing 50s on dumbbell, chest press, whatever. We need to be at 60 in a month. You know, something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And I I have clients that's mainly my, my older male clients. Oh, I want to bench. I need to get to two plates, right? And you're like, all right, bro, we'll do it. You know, I mean, you, you take it. Because at the end of the day, you want, there has to be a motivating factor for them too. Yeah. But the way that I get everything else wrapped in is, hey, if you don't get bigger triceps, you'll never bench that way. Nope. Hey, if we don't work on your upper back and your back so that you have healthier shoulders and lats you're never going to bench that weight. Mm-hmm. So it's not one of those we bench every day and try to max out every day. <laughs> I trick them with their own goal into creating a well-rounded strong physique because at the end of the day that's how I train as a powerlifter. If yeah. I want to squat a lot, I got bulletproof glutes. I got a low back that can pick up a truck, you know. I got hamstrings that are strong, extensors on, you know, knee extensors that are strong, a core that's tight. And most of it wasn't built from a squat. Now, Don't get me wrong, I'm a fan of squatting, Mm -hmm. but for my powerlifting, for my needs, I think of it as putting the pieces together for a puzzle. If I get really strong quads, I will probably have a really strong squat. If I get really strong hamstrings, really strong glutes, really strong spinal erectors and everything, I'll have a bulletproof squat. Mm -hmm. Train those things independently, and then at the end of the day, you piece them together into your main lift, and boom, you got a big main lift. Now there has to be a solid base there. I think like you have to be proficient with the movements. You have to be comfortable under the bar, comfortable straining under the bar, which is a different ball game. Mm-hmm. Look in any high school weightlifting room anywhere in the country and watch a kid go from warming up with 135 to his max form. Way different. Yep. You know, and don't get me wrong. Maximal effort, especially for elite individuals, the the reps may not look identical, but they're ballpark. They're mm-hmm. really close. You know, you're you're few degrees angles difference at max you know and that's just because over time you get used to straining under that load both mentally and physically you know what it takes to stay in position stuff like that so kind of digressing getting back to the gym pop clients i take the mindset of whatever goal they have and then knowing that we want to put 10 15 pounds on it and tricking them into getting there as sort of and uh, explaining the process along the way Most of my clients, as I explain the process along the way, they begin to trust me, they begin to believe me, and they buy into it, and they see results. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there are other clients that it doesn't matter what you tell them. Hey, the sky's blue. and They're like, no, it's green. All right, well, I'm going to be manipulative. Like, I'm not going to tell you everything, because at the end of the day, you're paying me for results. If I get you there without you having to, you know, it is what it is, right? But uh, (laughs) you know what I mean? You know how it is. You laugh, because you know it's true. But um, no, most of them, it's it. They normally have something that hurts, and when I normally fix it for them with relative heavy loads, it blows their mind. Again, I say relative heavy loads because to some people, a one thirty five RDL, that's something it's something you do a good set of 10 with 135 for them it's a big deal Mm -hmm. Uh, for me it's a warm up for us it's a warm up right but for them it's a big deal so if they come to you and they say I have a lot of low back pain you know um, first thing I'm hitting is glutes Mm -hmm. I'm not going to stretch with them I'm not going to do anything with them other than get a good glute pump we'll take them to an abduction machine put them on it and have them get a glute pump do some glute bridges and then try to teach them an RDL and you can tell me that if this is true for you, but in my experience, the hardest lift to teach anyone in a gym is the correct form Romanian deadlift. Yep. It is by far the hardest. I kind of put out some fake numbers that I tell my clients when I'm doing it so that they feel better about themselves, but I'll say something to the effect of 25% of my clients are never going to get it. And and me trying to teach them how to do an RDL is me now wasting their money and time. Because mm-hmm. that's going to gonna take a long yeah, time. I take eight ten sessions maybe yeah and and you know if you're doing a 30 minute session you could spend over half of that session working on rdl Mm -hmm. and some of it's just a matter of them unlocking the movement pattern Uh, and so you can't even start with an rdl you got to get the hamstring strong enough to even allow them to bend over yeah but um like 25 percent may or may not ever get it 25 percent are going to really struggle at it, but it'll probably get it. 25% get it by the second or third time we do it. And then there's a 25% that touch the bar and they just fall into a hip hinge and like, oh, mm-hmm. thank God. You know? <laughs> yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Right, we're going to pause right real quick because my dog's like losing his mind. We'll, yeah. we'll go outside. You're good. You're good. Hold right, well, on. Let me just. Damn, dog. All right guys welcome back uh we're to take a little break because my dog started losing his mind in the bathroom, so I apologize for that so so, so uh yeah, so I want to talk about so do you do you talk to like people in the gym when they're working out like they're doing off bad form do you walk up to them and say like you know hey you know you may want to consider doing it this way instead of that way
1: yeah um my my uh I used to I used to a lot when I was in school uh, this should relate to anyone getting a degree in anything you're automatically an expert because you paid 40 grand to get it and so um, I was always running around trying to give people advice and in my defense you know retrospectively it was normally decent advice um, but no uh, the older I've gotten the more I just try to put on my horse blinders when I walk in and, and mind my own business because most people, honestly you don't have time to explain to them what it is going on because um or you can tell within the first five minutes whether they get it or not mm-hmm. and so more times than not for me it's always been a, a a look of you know no light bulb clicking right so i try not to but man it is wild you'll see some folks tearing a rotator cuff before your eyes or you can you can see their spinal fusion in the future you know stuff like yeah, th- that th- there's
0: a there's a I mean, there's a couple people in in the gym, like early morning, that it's just like, it's, his back, like their back is like hunched over so bad, it's like almost, he wants to start looking like the hunchback of Notre Dame. There's just
1: one dude that's got some serious kyphosis. I think that's the guy I'm talking about. Oh, man, it's, his, his back's deformed to it almost. Yeah. I kind of wonder if he has a medical condition, because his back, his erectors have become so thick. Like, you can see that he's been doing that for a long yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. Those I mean, make me hurt.
0: Yeah, I mean, typically for me, I'll, I'll like, go up to a kid that's in high school or they're just starting to do, like, Olympic weightlifting, and they're kind of, like, they kind of know the gist of it. But, you know, if I gave them, like, one or two pointers, that might help them get better on that lift. So, like, a lot of, lot of the kids, they, they – I always ask them, like, hey, do you mind if I just show you what you're supposed to do? and you know just see what happens and like a lot of the even the parents are like yeah sure like just want just show them like you know this is how you do it i'm like this is how you properly do it and just think of that i always do those cues too and it's like i think it's a huge help for them but i mean some of them actually do listen and then you some of them like like you said with like just the the light switch and turn on and they're like
1: (laughs) or they're doing the same thing or they're you know taking it as confrontation when it's like yeah I'm, i'm literally here in your best interest um Yeah, no, I I 100% get it. And I do do that, again, I do that sometimes, especially if it's someone I've talked to before. Mm -hmm. I'm very comfortable doing it. Um, Because, oh, I told you guys earlier, I started when I was in, like, fifth grade. And I didn't work out in a commercial gym until I was 18. I had, over the years, accumulated enough equipment at home. Um, and saved up every dollar I made you know to buy this and buy that. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was doing pull-ups and rafters kind of thing you know in the garage that we had and um, so I, I, I hadn't been in a commercial gym and I, it, I, gosh, I just wish I could have told myself 10% of what I know now. Mm-hmm. And so when you keep it in that perspective, it's like whether that person appreciates it now or later, um, you maybe you could cut two years off of experience for them. You give them just a couple of tips. That could, it, it, If you think about how long it takes you to learn something, knowing what I know about bench pressing now versus what I knew about bench pressing then. I told you all I benched 205 in seventh grade, right? I didn't bench 225 until I was almost a junior in college. I learned more trying to get that 20 pounds than I did anything else. Mm-hmm. And the, the techniques and things that I use now and the, the ideas that I use now Um, you know I can at the moment I could probably bench 400 plus Um, I've been a little bit stronger at times it fluctuates with body weight and uh, achy elbows and shoulders right so um, but you know putting 200 plus pounds on my bench in that time frame uh, it was the things that I learned getting that last 20 pounds to get to 225 Mm -hmm. that's kind of got me to where I am now at a steady you know over time increase yeah and so, yeah, I mean, it, it's, I think it just, we need to make it more acceptable. The only problem is you just never know when you're getting good advice.
0: Yeah, I, I agree, because it's,
1: yeah. It should be more norm in gym culture, um, but I think there should be like, uh, there's there's just, there's understood etiquette that should be in place that you just can't type on, put on the wall.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, but the, the, granted, like, you'll you'll have people like, being like, oh, like the top, like, you know, the, the tough guys, like the big, big guys, like just like, hey, you should do it this way. I always, that's why I always ask, like, right. do you mind if I ask you, if I mind if I like give you a little pointer, like if if you say no, whatever, that's that's fine, do, do your own thing. But right. like, you know, I just want to make sure you get better. And I even tell like the, the clients that I talk to, like... You know, you're with the weights. It's gonna not gonna come easy. It's gonna like if once you have a good form, then it'll start going. Yeah. And then once you, if you have garbage form forget it. you might as well just stay with like, you know, a 95 pound bench press forever because you're not gonna get a good. You're not gonna get good form and or, or find weight a up. good
1: surgeon in the area. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
0: And like even <laughs> even with people like I see a lot of people like military press and they have their one foot back and they like they like push it out further. Yeah, it's almost gosh. like almost at a forty nine forty five degree angle and it's like. You're not supposed to do that. Like
1: they're in a jazzercise, a jazzercise class yeah. you know, where they're like kicking it out. Yeah.
0: yeah, Gosh, they even do that like in the – like even at the group classes at the gym that – well, I used to work at. It was they, – they do the same thing. would we'll just be pushing out, pushing out. But I'm like, no, that's not how you're supposed to do it. Like right. no. And the problem is with like that group class is she can't one by one go to each person oh, and no. say you can't do it. And like – and even if she did teach it in the beginning of the class, the, the, the clients would be so pissed off because they're like... Singled out. Yeah. Feel singled out. You yeah.
1: Know, nobody goes to a group class to feel singled out. That's the whole point. Yeah. They go there to disappear into the background.
0: Well, um, that, that and clients also, like, I've, I've come to the conclusion they just want to get throttled every single day because they think that's a good workout. And right.
1: And it, it's like, no, it's it's not. Yeah, you, you bring up a really good point there, by the way. Um, guys, being exhausted when you leave the gym... Or having a leg day where you need a wheelchair occasionally is is good. Yeah. Uh, but there are so many other things that you could do better yeah. that would give you way more results. Mm-hmm. Like just learning how to feel a muscle. You know, can you feel your hamstring contract when you do a leg curl? You know, stuff like that. But now, getting back to the advice thing. I um, Gosh, one rule that any young people here listening to, or really just anybody, if he's over she or he is over 50 years old and they look like they're in really good shape, they
0: know what they're doing. Take their advice
1: because they haven't been injured a lot because they're still working out and they're still in good shape. At this point, they probably know a good bit about what works for them diet-wise because you just don't stay in good shape, you know. So be open to that advice regardless of what vessel it's delivered in Uh, because, you know, communicating across generations can be difficult, Uh, he may not, or she may not think they're rude when they're talking to you the way they are, but they may just be being rude on accident, Mm -hmm. you know? So kind of be open to the advice, but, uh, man, anytime anyone older tries to give me some advice, even with two degrees and uh, a little bit of knowledge under my belt, um, I'm always all ears because I want to be lifting when I'm 60. Heck yeah. Me so. too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're doing it. They beat me there. Yeah, so. exactly. Like,
0: and plus, like, <laughs> I listen to podcasts, like, all the time, like, on the way home because I, I drive, I think, like, half an hour from one way one way and back. And, like, even at work sometimes if I'm, like, not calling people up, I'll just be, like, listening to podcasts every time and right. just, like, learning. And then, like, I've learned so much in the past two years just on listening to podcasts from, like, the, you know, the top rated people in the fitness industry you know Not the gym shark athletes Or anything like that But right, like you know right. Just like the people That have like been in the business For like 22 years Or like whatever You know They just have I'll just pick one thing out And it'll be like Oh Like why didn't I know that
1: Do you remember uh, The Barbell Shrugged guys I
0: love the Oh those guys like were awesome Doug Larson And yep. uh, what
1: was the other guy's name
0: Oh gosh I am not a brain fart uh, Doug Larson and, There was uh, three guys
1: Yeah there was Barbell Buddha uh, I can't remember His real name He passed Yeah and, uh, Doug's the only one I can ever remember when I bring it up. But, um, those dudes, they, uh, were really good about bringing great content. Mm-hmm. They, they had, um, gosh, what was his name? He was a powerhouse in Olympic weightlifting a decade ago. Um, and then there was the other guy that had the heart attack that went into, what was it? He's got something nation is the name of his. Oh, a oh, mountain dog? No. Mountain dog training out... He he's the one that made bar slamming popular. Oh, I can't remember. Damn it! But uh, yeah, they're sol. They used to bring solid weightlifters and nationally and and internationally, and but they'd also talk to you know people that did yoga. They talked to everybody. They'd bring everything on, and it wasn't. It was more of a Joe Rogan type podcast. It was never like just lifting, mm-hmm. um, but. I learned a lot from them. That was nothing I was ever interested in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I've never been super interested in the Olympic lifts, but mainly cause I couldn't do them. Right. That's, that's a big thing. Like I have like a 185 clean in high school and I've hated Olympic weightlifting ever since. <laughs> it was really just, I had a terrible high school weightlifting coach that didn't teach yeah, yeah. me how to Olympic clean and, you know, do everything correctly. But, um, but the flip side being where I'm at now in my, my training life, uh, I myself do Olympic variations. Not necessarily more for almost bodybuilding type stuff. Mm-hmm. Man, you your shoulders and traps will get yoked if you holding a, if you're holding a bar out in front of you for a bunch of ballistic movements over and over and over mm-hmm. and over. You'll get stacked, yeah. man. And, well, even uh, your
0: lower back and lats just oh, just Oh, for sure. Just from like doing the doing, yes. like doing hand cleans you're like just you even feeling and pulling your hamstrings, your glutes, pretty much like your whole posterior chain, is you'll feel anything. Even if it's lightweight, just high reps, you'll like
1: after a while you'll be like, "Crap, this is right, yeah, taking yeah. my ass." And then you know, from an athletic standpoint, if if you're ever working with athletes, um, there's a lot of information, and I mean a lot of research that suggests that Olympic lift variations are much more beneficial for athletes than the traditional Olympic lifts, mm-hmm. like pulling from the floor for a clean and jerk. Hang cleans way better. Stuff like that, you know. Um, just because, again, it comes down to a cost-time effectiveness, you know. How long would it take an athlete that's already playing a sport, how long would it take them to truly become proficient in a clean and jerk? Years. Years. You could teach them a hang clean maybe in three months. And they're getting most of the crossover, and they learned it much quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they don't need to... Worry so much about ankle mobility, or you know, are is there, are they posterior pelvic tilting to get down into the hole stuff like you know that that kind of stuff. It's all things that should be considered. Who who know your audience, right? People always know your audience. Who are you training? What may be important to me as a trainer? What may be important to you as a trainer? Or important to anyone listening? Remember, that's not what may be important for that athlete or that client or whatever you know. Um, let's just. For instance, carbs. I tell clients to eat carbs. Oh, all the time. All the time. But I don't work with a lot of diabetic patients. Yeah. Specifically for this podcast, I'm not sure. I'm sure you guys, you approach carbs a lot differently than most of us, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So if I had a client that was diabetic, that would be something I definitely need to take into account. 100%. So it's, you know, know your client, know your audience, um, stuff like that. Remember that everything's got a place. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean even for me, like I always
0: tell – like I always – for myself, I always eat carbs after I work out because right. that's why – that's where you need the carbs most. But the problem is a lot of people, you know, they'll drink those like protein shakes right before they – like right immediately like right after they work out and it's like, guys, you wait a half an hour. Like give it some time before – because your hormones are all out of whack. Even like you're, if you're a diabetic, your blood sugars are probably out of whack, especially if you're doing CrossFit workouts. Like just – just kind of like, you know, wait till everything balances out and then like take take insulin if you need to when you, after you work out, if it's like super high. Right. You're it, talking
1: about if they were to supplement with insulin right after a workout on yeah, the meal.
0: Yeah. I mean, and then like, then obviously
1: like I'll, I'll have like a, a bowl of oatmeal after I work out. Yeah. Your insulin sensitivity after workouts through the roof. Yeah. Um, that's why some people are able to, to, I, I don't want to speak too much out of my ass here because I'm not a huge <laughs> diabetic expert. But there, I've you know, there are people that can cure their diabetic symptoms and, and even their insulin response with exercise. Well,
0: with type two. Yeah, type Ty- two. Yeah, right. yeah. Type one is and different so, story.
1: Right, right. But there's a little bit there in that you're right. After your workout, you're going to want to wait a little bit before you start adding in insulin and, and different things because um, exercise itself self has such a large role in hormonal response. Yeah, acutely for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've. I think this year is probably my best year. Even in COVID, like for like li- all my lifts, yeah, you've been getting strong. Because I don't know, I, it's you know I've been sticking with this program for like a year and a half or two years almost, and it's you know, and that's another thing is like you'll have people like do one program in one year, and then they like keep on bouncing all over the place because they're not seeing the you know the gains or whatever in in their pro- in their program, so they just go to another another one or like another trainer. Because I've I've had I've had other clients be like, yeah, I went I, cl- I had this I had. This trainer and I saw no results, and then I see your your like other clients and they're getting results. So I just wanted to switch with you, and I'm like, well, how long have you been with this person? Yeah. like a couple months. Well, that's
1: the problem. So yeah, I mean, not may not be a bad. That's you hit yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. I um, I graduate. All right, so I was I had gotten into the like 165. I weighed about 165 my freshman year. Man, I was eating anything, not bolted to oh, the
0: floor. when I was in college. It was like yeah. three. I had three plates and like. Six
1: Gatorades just chilling out. And remember, I'm five, six. So (laughs) uh, I thought 165 was good. You know, I was a kid, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then I stopped playing sports. So uh, I wanted to get shredded for the ladies, right? So I graduated high school around 140, 145. And um, when I started college, I was around that ballpark. And when I, two years, I did my core classes at home. So I was at home, stayed at home for a while. When I moved off to college, um, I was weighing around 150, 148, 152. which mm-hmm. was pretty normal. And uh, I'll never forget what started me in powerlifting. I was in a strength or a weight training class in college, and we were going to do deadlifts. And I was the only kid in the class that pulled over 300. And up to this point in my life, I, I don't think I really ever deadlifted. And uh, it was like... 305 or something. It was they were bumpers. I can't remember exactly what the, what it was, and I remember dropping the weight and seeing the bumpers bounce, you know. And I was like, oh man, you know. I was the strongest that had done it that day, and this I don't think that 300s, you know, the whatever. But I mean, it's a lot. I for, felt, it's good for a lot of people. It felt really good, man. Yeah. And um, I said I'm gonna start doing this more, and uh, I talked to the coach a little bit, and he's like, yeah, it's a power lift, and I was like, oh man, so I started learning and learning and. Um, yeah, so within a couple of years, I was into the to one sixties, but a totally different body composition mm-hmm. than when I was in the one sixties when I was younger, and uh, pulling like mid threes, high threes on deadlift, squatting low threes, benching uh, around two twenty five, two forty, you know, and then um, within a year of that, I'd say I was uh, low fours, mid fours squat, mid fours deadlift benching around to 80, you know and then year after that we're into into the almost fives on squat mm-hmm. you know and almost I think I'd pulled 500 by then and uh, body weights around 175 so and, those are uh, those are really good numbers too yeah yeah I mean so my first my first powerlifting meet I competed at 167 and I had done a water cut I was trying to get to 165 I was so close too and Because I, I wanted to compete at 165 because I would have had re- pretty good numbers. Yeah. But I squatted, um, I think it was 385. I deadlifted 415, I want to say, and then benched 275 uh, at a 167 body weight. And then about a year later, I did another meet where I competed at 172, I think. And I... Getting off right there it was 177. It was 177. And um so I was in the 181 weight class and I think I squatted um 450 ish and in, in knee sleeves mm-hmm. and then um deadlifted five oh seven and I benched three twenty-one uh, cause everything was like kilo. The other st- Numbers are off by a couple of pounds because I can't remember yeah. what the kilo conversion was. But um, and then six months after that, I around the same body weight. I think I weighed 179 at the meet. I this one was my best meet and really actually it's my last meet I think. But I um, I benched 315 bench suffered, but deadlift was 517. And I was so close to a lockout on 5:30, so close, like it was one of those. The whole crowd was like, "Oh," yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. And um, squat was 489 in these sleeves, and it felt pretty good. And then, uh, but I kept powerlifting even though I didn't compete. What I, in my mindset, was like, I'm fixing to get stupid strong before my next meet. Yep. Yeah. I'm gonna gain a little bit of body weight, and then we're gonna start to kind of peel it off. I I normally do. To get strong, I have to get heavier. But as I kind of come down, I can keep most of my strength. And so I can't, you know, stay lean and get strong. So, um, I mean, I can. You know what I'm saying, though. For powerlifting purposes, that was kind of, I found out the best formula for me. So um, I had gotten, I was 183, and I was hitting triples with 500 on squat knee sleeves. Um, And I never, never tested my max because i was like i'm not doing a palatin meet i don't need to peak but you don't need it yet yeah Yeah. i'm like i'm not peaking i'm just i'm running through so i hopped on another mezzo cycle on another one you know and i was um my biggest regret was not doing 500 for five like there was one set where it would have went you know and then um bench was uh i think i doubled 365 with pauses um during that cycle that mezzo cycle and then uh I pulled 585, I think, on deadlift. Yeah. And man, I'm one of those uh, Michael J. Fox deadlifters. Like, I twerk. You know what I mean? <laughs> You've seen me. Yeah. yeah, 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 I, yeah, do yeah. I get the shakes. But, um, is that because, is that, is that because, like, your central nervous system's, like, completely fried out? And I think just... it's that and weak quads. Cause, you know, I've had so many knee surgeries. I think my quads are a little weak on the deadlift. Yeah. And so it they're firing, and I'm just, you know, kind of twerking. Um, and yeah, I do. I think it's CNS fatigue too, though, because yeah. uh, there's some days I'll, I'll hit it. Hit, I could hit the same number, no twerk,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> and then uh, the next one it's a twerk PR. So I don't know, but
0: um, I mean that's that's with me. Like I I haven't actually. I did a post earlier like saying you think I should do a weightlifting competition and everyone's like, Hell yes, like do it, like go do it. I'm I'm actually gonna do it. I'm actually been looking you learn a lot. It's yeah.
1: Just about yourself. Yeah. Getting I'm, there.
0: I mean I've hit I hit some big numbers already, so when yeah. it's like all right, let's 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 try this so I can just get a gist of like what this is all about cuz I've never the only competition I've had is doing the CrossFit open and that was with like at the gym there was people cheering for me and like this one I actually went to a weightlifting competition the first person I interviewed um I went to a weightlifting competition cuz she's from Alabama and she was doing a um a weightlifting meet to get to the Arnold in uh in in Atlanta like I forget where but I I went to it to see what it was all about right. and I'm like okay this is not bad and so I was like, all right. I, I think, and then after that, that post, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to definitely get to start looking for one. I'm actually looking at uh, one of those like wrestling singlets and stuff like that. Dude, funniest thing. Look for weightlifting singlets on Amazon or eBay or something like that. And you'll see like the craziest looking stuff like like, like role-playing stuff. Like, yeah. like, like you'll see like the, oh, the crotch it's, or the crotching across missing a Yeah, missing a crotch. Yeah, it's missing like, a cross hmm. or missing the butt. And I'm like, this is the butt portion. I'm like, this I've never been disqualified. I'm before. like, I'm not, I, this is not what I wanted. So <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> it, it's,
0: it's like, it's amazing what you find on like Amazon or those things. I'm listening
1: to you. I just, so, the dude's name popped in my head for the Olympic weightlifting stuff.
0: Yeah. So I'm, I'm really, I'm, I, my, my goals for those meets, I actually want to hit like three, I want to try 330 for a cleaning and jerk and probably like 245 for a snatch. I mean, I and I'm – and it's I, I think – It's I, doable. Yeah. I mean, I've hit 230 as a power snatch before. So I'm really – I'm pretty sure I, I'm thinking I can get that, which is – would be amazing, especially yeah. being a 41-year-old too, so – <laughs> and being at 6'5".
1: Yeah, being tall.
0: Yeah, because obviously, like being tall and being a weightlifter is obviously really difficult, because like the the, the whole like area you have to pull and re- reach to get to. Yeah, so. your
1: your leverages, they're not a, uh, not necessarily the. You got, but you got long arms, which helps a little bit. But yeah, you, you're fighting an uphill battle. Other than someone like me who, just, built like a little compact. You know, <laughs> just put it on my shoulders. We got it.
0: Yeah. So, have you ever had like people come up to you during, like during mid workout and try to talk to you about stuff and like, like what, what do you do? Because like I like obviously I'm doing like workouts that like I'm there for time and people will come up to me and be like, hey, you know, what's going on? Or like, hey, what are you trying to like? What are you trying to? Do? I'm like, no, not not, not now, like yeah, not, yeah. Not now. So how do you handle that?
1: So, if it's if it's if it's ever compliments, I shut down. I lock up. I don't know what it is. It doesn't. It's not even about. Weight training or anything, but compliments in general, I'm just one of those people that just can't handle them. So, uh, I always, you know, it's like an athlete after a game, I just like to thank God, you know. For me, it's like, oh, you know, just got a good dad, I don't know, or, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, like, yeah, Oh, no, I'm just trying, you know. Those kind of people that are say that, that, are, that they're blessed to be above ground, right? I'm one yep. of those with oh man, that was a nice set with 500. I was like, oh, just great to be alive today, like, you know, it's <laughs> shit like that. <laughs> trying to divert, but, um, if it's ever about training stuff, uh, I'll normally talk to them. You know me. I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll talk to a brick wall. So, um, they were, I, I'll normally talk to them. Those are the ones I'll talk to the most. If it's someone I don't know and they're just trying to chat up, uh, I don't talk to them. Normally, I'll, I'll kind of talk to them for a second and then move along. You know. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I've had I've had one guy like last week. I was doing like a max rep thruster. And like I was just about to lift it and like do a do a weight, and then all of a sudden he comes up to me. He's like, "Hey man, like kind of hurt my hip." And I'm like,
1: "I'm okay. hurt uh, too." I'm like, "Yeah." And I'm, like,
0: <laughs> I'm like, "Okay." And he's like, "Yeah, I think I'm getting too old for like it's an older gentleman." And like he he lifts some heavy weight, but like he's like, "I think I'm I think it's time for me to like slow down and like cut like you know just start well, like slow down you die." Yeah, well, man, like, like slow down like light the <laughs> no, lower no. you know you like more I'm rest. Saying. I'm like, "Hey man, just do a hypertrophy phase." Like just, just like six weeks, yeah. And like just kind of work. They work your way back, and then just go back to lifting heavy again or whatever. Yeah, if like, you'd
1: asked him when the last time was that he had took a little weight off the bar, he probably couldn't have told you. Yeah.
0: Like well, some I mean, sort of deload. Active. Yeah. He's doing th- this. This guy was doing three fifteen zombie squats because he can't do front rack holds because his mobility is so yeah. bad. And one day, he, I identify. What what? <laughs> what? what <laughs> yeah. One one day he actually I was, I think I was doing like a clean or something like that next to him. And like he started losing it because he puts the two and a half pound plates behind on his heels to get the like the high arch and stuff, and he just dropped it like like all the metal. I think I know who you're talking. Yeah, you probably know But like it's just a strong guy. Yeah, just completely dropped it and like the loudest noise compared to like my bumper plates dropping it over my head. It yeah. was but it was just like and he yelled out he's like he's like part of my friends he's <laughs> like fuck and I'm yeah. like I'm like o- okay man I mean you're doing three fifteen zombie squats you should be happy with that because yeah, yeah. I can't do that. <laughs>
1: No, it can be frustrating, but honestly, I hope everyone can tell by my and Tom's interactions, I like to think I'm a really nice guy, like you can approach me at any time. He is, he is. Um, But, but, I throw in my headphones and I keep the meanest eat shit look on my face the whole time I work out. And it's truthfully so, maybe people won't approach me. Just so I don't have to politely leave a conversation. But, if you do chat me up, I will chat you up. Like Mm we will talk. It is um and that's that's a problem. That's why I have to do that, because I'll talk to you for an hour and then I gotta leave. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: So so now that we're getting close to the end. So I kinda wanna talk about both of us kinda did the same route. We were personal trainers and then we kind of ventured off to, you know, working someplace else. But we still do I mean obviously I want to talk to you about like like coaching, like online stuff, but but you know, You kind of told me like you know I wanted to make like 60 grand in a year, and then you kind of did the math working at a global gym, being like you'd have to work like 12 like six like six 12-hour shifts with no breaks in between, and like I think you and I talked about this and realized like you know this is not gonna cut it. So what what finally broke the broke the camel's back that you were like okay this is this has to change.
1: Yeah so. For me, it started before I started training full-time, honestly. So I don't want to play it up and make it more than it was. But I also want want everyone to know that I fully believed it was happening. And I was planning my life off of it. When I was with the Falcons, I was supposed to come back. And I was planning my life on coming back. And that's why I went to grad school. And so, because I knew, you know, pro level, you got to have two degrees. So Mm -hmm. I was going to get my master's in human performance in return, right? Well, that individual was no longer with the team, the one that was the wink and the nod and the handshake, hey, come back, you know, and there was no way to get back. So my last shot in the ring was um, just after my first year of grad school, I had some strings I pulled to go to work with the Panthers Mm -hmm. and I went to the Carolina Panthers for two days, really just shadowing, not doing much more, but hoping to make an impression and get a, get a situation. And, uh, their coach, great guy, uh, great training philosophies has been, has a very successful career, um, both in the NFL and and as a, a coach. And, um, But it just, uh, there was a little friction there with, I think, sort of how I carried myself at the time, being a younger guy, and then his view of me as a younger guy. Mm -hmm. And we kind of had a conversation about paying dues. And uh, I don't like to talk money numbers and stuff like that, but I've been offered jobs at colleges to do head strength stuff you know like d2 colleges nothing too big yeah and um i can tell you that i could make more money being a cashier uh in a year with with the work ethic that i think i have than i would being uh, a a strength coach for 200 plus athletes Mm -hmm. that's terrifying i don't care what anyone says because when you're a strength coach and you're you're actually trying to make it in the industry from a, a college standpoint you're waiting for a phone call there's not so much that you can do. You can go and interview for jobs, but at the end of the day you're waiting for someone to think you're good enough. You've got to make connections, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. Because it's it's really hard to push the data on I'm the reason that this program is better. You can. You can keep up with your own data. It take a lot of time. You know, athletes are less injured right now with me, my athletes across the border, this X much stronger, athletes across the border, this, this and this. But the problem is That other college that you're going to present that data to is probably not going to pay attention to it. Yeah. They're going to want to know if the football team won. How many championships did the football team win while you were a coach there? How many baseball championships? You know, stuff like that. Stuff that almost has nothing to do with you as a strength coach. Because your number one goal as a strength coach is do no harm. Mm It's the same thing as a surgeon or anything. Yeah. You don't want to hurt an athlete. Julio Jones is top five athlete in the NFL if he doesn't lift a weight. So – you're going to make him lift weights and potentially get him hurt? Yes, you are. But your goal should be, I'm just trying to polish a Ferrari, not turn it into a Hummer. Yeah. So, that, it, with that in mind, you know, it uh, became pretty clear that crack, cracking the field was going to be very difficult. And so, when I got the job at One Life to do personal training, my number one goal was to meet someone. Um. I'm a people person, I like meeting people networking is my favorite thing to do mm-hmm. and uh, I was just 100% convinced that my next job was going to be through someone I met at the gym and uh, so that's why I started personal training there and it was, it was, it was a client so the next client I talked to got me a job now I do payroll <laughs> hey, it works. but in a, in a way it's it's worked out, you know I am don't think that I'm done in the fitness industry by any chance, I still personal train here and there and uh, do some online stuff but my at the end of the day this is something that all anyone that's looking to be a personal trainer you want to be a strength coach you want to help people uh you have to help yourself first because if you lose your car you can't get to work and you can't train anyone if you have no one to know where to live you can't rest you can't eat correctly you know you you're not going to be able to train people correctly if you're looking to impact others' lives, you first have to have yours locked down. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, you know, saying be debt-free, be this, be that. But, like, you kind of know what I'm getting at. Be stable. Have a be stable. stable. Be stable, yeah. You can't be a stable cornerstone in someone else's life if you're not stable. Mm-hmm. And personal training is, first and foremost, personal. You'll spend 50% of your time being a, a, a psychologist with your clients <laughs> than you will, you know, just training their body. Yeah. Um, and they're both so related because uh, that client's going to go home and eat something nasty if they're depressed. So, you know, and then they're never going to see the results. you yeah. gotta, you got to play both fields. And if you're not stable as an individual, you're not going to be able to help them appropriately. So uh, that being said, I may find myself doing something sooner rather than later or, you know, whatever back in the industry. But uh, at the end of the day, got bills to pay, got to eat. And um, I think personally for me, it was the best decision to kind of step away uh, because for a little while, in a full time aspect, I've seen a lot of personal growth in the weight room. You know, Um, this morning after my first bowel movement, I was 201, which is pretty heavy, uh, you know, but just six weeks ago, I was 210. So um, everything's going well there. Personally, you know, I feel good good relationship good friends um i do enjoy my job with what i do now because again uh i don't think what you go to school for or what you want to do necessarily dictates what you do Mm -hmm. i enjoy people so i get to work with people all day every day just like most people and uh, make the best of it and really enjoy what i do got a good career so um yeah that's kind of that's kind of why I'm not a personal trainer technically full time anymore.
0: Yeah. You know? So you do all the like online stuff. But, uh, so, so
1: how did, how did you handle, like, how do you handle that? Like, do you, do people come up to you and ask you or? Yeah, I don't, I don't advertise. Um, it's normally either past clients or current clients. Um, what I really enjoy is friends. Mm-hmm. All joking aside, cause you can, you know, you're still getting paid. You're still asking for someone to pay you for a service, uh, but if you're going to be my client, I'm going to turn you into my friend. At some point, like I, we will be closer than we are at first meeting because there's a certain level of candidness that needs to take place, in my opinion, with online stuff. Um, and you got to know what pushes that individual, whether yeah. <laughs> an individual needs to be shamed or encouraged or what. How do you get that? Because unlike face-to-face training, there has to be a motivator. Most people face-to-face are motivated by not being embarrassed Mm -hmm. they don't want to be embarrassed so they'll work hard in front of you so that you don't think they're you know whatever right that they're sandbacking or they're lazy so um, it's easier to get results face-to-face from that standpoint Um, but I find that most of my clients have better results online than in person because I'm now in your home Mm -hmm. now I'm telling you what to eat now I'm telling you, you need to be asleep right now. Why are you texting me? Like, you need to get some rest so that you can train tomorrow, you know? Yep. Um, you're going to tell me that you're going out of town this weekend, so you need to change your workout, you know, or whatever. And uh, it's normally, I would say it's it's cheaper when compared to person to person, but you normally spend more money overall. Yeah. Like, you're not, you know, so a 30-minute session isn't costing, cost you X amount of dollars that may be, you know, whatever, But here you're buying a week's package sort of thing, so I charge a little bit different or however. And um, so more money is spent overall, so the individuals feel more vested, and that in itself normally yields more results. Nobody wants to waste their money. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I I, uh, don't do a lot now. Like I said, most of it's with with close individuals. I've discussed starting something a lot bigger. Um, I've told you my roommates, right? One of my roommates is a personal trainer, and the other is a doctor of physical therapy, who just won his pro card in um, uh, a natural bodybuilding federation. So uh, we're all young kids that just want to be multimillionaires in the next week. So yeah. <laughs> we, we sit around spitballing, trying to figure out things that we can do to, to you know, increase ourselves as you know professionals and stuff. And um, we're considering putting together a website with some things like maybe an exercise library, a paid subscription Mm -hmm. to a certain amount of workouts. And then, uh, from there, an individual could tack on additional workouts or whatever for markups. You know, I don't know. We're looking into some things there. Very cool. Um, the online stuff, you know, it's, it's involved. Yeah. In my opinion, online personal training is twice as hard as in person personal training. Yeah. Maybe even three times as hard. Mm -hmm. The time requirement is greater. Um, and, you know, you. It's yeah, mentally it's it's sort of exhausting at times because yeah. you're, you're really, you got to make them progress. It's people will pay for in personal training just to have a gym buddy. Yes, but people will not pay to have an online buddy. Yep, you have to deliver. Right? <laughs> yep, exactly. So it's, it's it's something else. But yeah.
0: yeah. Awesome. So okay, last two. Yeah, yeah. So where can people find you online okay. or like social media or oh, whatever? Man.
1: Yeah. <laughs> This is going to be bad. My Instagram name I want to say is J-O-E-H-A-R-R-E-L-L-1. So Joe Harrell 1. Um, And if you find a short, ugly guy when you pull that up, that's probably me. And uh, then we don't have any websites right now. Uh, Facebook, you can find me, just Joe Harrell. I do put some content on my Instagram, but it's normally just my personal stuff, Mm -hmm. what I would rather you use it for is you can follow me for, you know, um, see what I'm doing, see how weak I am. And then what I would recommend though is, uh, DM me. If you have specific questions, uh, you have things you want to know about. Um, I've spent the last 10 years of my life learning everything that I could to make an individual stronger. Mm -hmm. So if you're interested in anything like that, please Send me a private message. I'd be more than happy to chat you up. Um, maybe even exchange contact info or something. From, go from there. Yeah.
0: Awesome. And then, so, last question. So, where, let's see. What would you tell a brand
1: new personal trainer what to expect oh, in their yeah. career? Um, yeah, brand new personal trainer. I would uh, say, first and foremost, expect... Awkward situations, a lot of awkward situations. Um, I think personal training attracts introverts. I think your client base will be like 70% introverts Mm -hmm. because they already can't go to the gym by themselves. They need someone to be with them because they fear massive groups of people. So um, if you're not an already very outgoing person, practice that. You can practice personal skills. You can develop your own character to be more outgoing um, to be able to carry conversations with individuals and then um, treat it like a date you know, uh, first time with a girl, first time with a guy y- you don't want that girl to think you're looking at every other girl in the room, Yeah, you stare at that girl that you're with, right, so you focus on your client, that's who you're there for um, you know, I, I, everybody knows me at the gym so I, I don't do a good job of it it's most hard, of it's clients, really hard, yeah. yeah but most of my clients know me well enough that it's, it's a pass, but that would be my advice, you know, focus on that client, really actually listen to them because you may have to read between the lines if they 've got a terrified look on their face or if they're have an eat shit look on their face or something like body language, pay attention to the body language and um, don 't be afraid to over ask them questions. I had one client that she literally would yell at me that she was okay because I would ask. Every three minutes, you okay, right? You're good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I put her in an ambulance once, so (laughs) (laughs) I was always concerned about her. Um, It was a it was a no breakfast situation. Yeah, she came trained with no breakfast and got. But um, yeah, you know, just communicate, communicate, communicate. Pay attention to your clients. um, Encourage them uh, because at the end of the day, remember why someone comes for personal training. They're probably not encouraged they're wanting someone to do it for them they need motivation um, and then they're also not sure where to start and remember you're the expert not your client Mm -hmm. so don't second guess yourself you you've learned for this as long as you're learning and you're training yourself to be a better trainer um, you'll be fine Uh, confidence increases buy-in and if your client does not buy into what you're telling them they will not see results nice All right, Joe. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right.